Our confidence has been shaken. Over the past 12 months, our world is in disarray for different reasons, for COVID, social unrest, political situation, and now snowpocalypse. And one of the things that I've been hearing over the past almost 12 months now is, is there's a sense of anxiety, there's a sense of depression, there's a sense of frustration and confusion and, and all a, a variety of different emotions and things that people are dealing with and struggling with and, and trying to figure out how they can be confident in the world in which we live. And this morning, that's what I want us to think about is that what do we place our confidence in? And as a parent, one of the things that we want to do for our children is we want to raise up our children to be confident in themselves, to be confident in their skills, to be confident in their abilities, to be confident in that they are loved and cared for. But to be honest, one of the things about building up confidence in your kids or in others is there's always someone better than you at whatever it is you're trying to be the best at. There's always a better athlete. There's always someone smarter. There's always someone that's a little bit better artist. There's someone who has a little bit money. There's someone who you fill in the blank. And so if we build up our children, if we build up those around us, and including ourselves, if we build up our confidence in just our own abilities, just in our own strengths and the things that we're good at, then we're going to have frustrations. We're going to have moments of where we feel like failures, where we're going to struggle with depression. We're going to struggle with anxiety because we place our confidence in things, including ourselves, that are fleeting and can never be completely perfect. You will never be fully fulfilled if you place your confidence in yourself and in the things around you that give you worth and value, except one thing. And that one thing is God and God alone. Paul, the author of the book of Philippians, is sharing this idea and this truth with the church at Philippi. There's some divisions, there's some struggles in the city of Philippi and in the church in particular. And so Paul, in his letter to the church at Philippi, one of the main things that he wants to get, his, to get across to his audience is that they should not have confidence in themselves, that they should not even have confidence in their own faith, but that their confidence should be in God, the one who has even given them faith and who their faith is in, that he is trustworthy, that they can have Godfidence because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that our confidence should be in him above all other things. So this morning, as we continue our series, Godfidence, that's what I want us to do, is to look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And we'll just camp there this morning and, and look at this verse and look at the things that Paul is trying to get across to his audience in Philippi and also to us as well. Is that life is, un, is shaking ground. And so there's, there's an inability to have confidence all of the time in, in us and ourselves and the things around us. But that the one thing that we can have confidence and assurance in is the person of Jesus Christ, and that God himself has provided an opportunity for us to have confidence in him and him alone, that he is our rock, 
He is our solid foundation, and that if we build our life, we understand that our salvation, that our worth and our value and our confidence come from Him above all other things, then we should have confidence. So this morning, if you have your Bibles, will you turn with me to Philippians chapter 1, looking at verse 6. And it says this, I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue His work until it is fully finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Now this word certain literally means that it's, he is entirely convinced that there's not a shadow of a doubt. He is certain that is he sees something in front of him. He knows it. And there's two reasons that Paul can understand that God is certain, that he can have confidence in God. And the first thing is this, it's because of God's character. God's character is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We see it in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9 and 10. It says, Remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God, and there is none like me. Only when you can tell the future before it even happens, everything I plan come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. Now here in Isaiah 46, God's showing us that He is God alone and that He plans and everything comes to pass. That that is His character. So here Paul is saying he is certain that God is, he can have confidence because of his certainty in God's character, that he's seen it over time, but then also a certainty because of Paul's own studies. Paul was a great student and he was kind of the preacher and student of the day and his own personal experience with God. This idea of knowledge. That all throughout the Bible that God talks about, I want you to know me. This knowing is not just an intellectual knowledge, but it's an experiential knowledge as well. That as Paul is talking about, hey, I've, I've understand the characters of God, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But also that I've, in my studies, I've seen the characteristics of God. And not only do I know it intellectually, but I've experienced in life. I've seen God's long-suffering and patience with me. I've seen God's kindness with me. I've seen his love for me. And he's experienced all of these things. Not only has he studied them with his mind, but he's also experienced them with his life. And that's what a great teacher does, is they allow us to not just know them intellectually, but to also experience them. You see that also in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. We think... You ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. So here Paul is, is talking about some of his past experiences and some of these moments where he's been taught um, the things that he knew he's now experienced. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger. And he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him. And he will continue to rescue us. Here Paul shows us that in the circumstances and situations of life, that he understood the, the knowledge of God, but he also experienced it in great troubles. And the God who resurrects is also the God who can rescue. Not just a salvation, 
but also just literally rescue them from the situation that they knew that they had, could have confidence, Godfidence in who God is and the characteristics of who he is. You too can have Godfidence because of the characteristics of who God is. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And also as you begin to, and as you continue your studies and into knowing God intellectually, God also provides experiences in life where you get to understand how he loves us and how he cares for us and how he has loving patience for us and those moments where he disciplines us and all the different experiences that we have in life take us back to the truths that we've been learning in Scripture and reaffirms the characteristics of God and that we can have confidence in him despite life situations around us. That the things that many times that we place our confidence in will fail but that God is our solid rock and that we can have confidence in God. Let's look at Philippians 1, 6 again. For I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is nearly finished on that day when Christ Jesus returns. The second thing that I want you to get, the reasons that we can also have confidence in God, is that God began that faith. That he was certain that God who began the good work within you, God gets the credit for your faith. That we have this somewhere along the way, many of us have, have thought that, that I'm the one that made the decision and this is my faith and I own my faith. And part of that's true. But in reality, all throughout scripture, God shows us that even the opportunities that we've had to say yes to him in faith, God provided those. God tilled the soil of our heart and our soul and our mind. God provided the experiences and the opportunities. So even in that moment when you first said yes to him, the reason that we even had that opportunity to say yes to him was because he provided the opportunity for us to be able to do it so that we could be reborn. In John chapter 1, verses 12 through 13, the apostle John said this way, To all who believed him and accepted him, he, God, gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn. Not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Here's the thing. Did you give birth to yourself? Well, no. That's a ridiculous even question. That's a ridiculous thought. There were others involved in our physical birth, and in the same way with our physical birth, we did not choose our spiritual birth. Our role in our birth was God is the one that provided the opportunities and experiences. So at just the right time, God spoke to the depths of our heart and our soul, and we agreed with him that he is what we needed, that we needed that solid rock, that we needed what he provided for us in salvation through Jesus Christ. And so even in parts of Scripture, it's pretty clear that even our faith is more God's faith than even ours which in some ways is actually confident building that our faith is not dependent upon us and our decisions. That God has given us an established faith with us and established a covenant with us, and it's not dependent upon how we feel or what we're thinking in that moment or the situations or the confidence that even we have in in us and our knowledge, but is totally built and established upon who God is and what he's given us. So this is covenant language. That God has reached out to us and established a covenant with us to be his children. And in that moment that we said yes, 
then that establishment of that covenant makes us being reborn. We have a new purpose, a new agenda, a new eyesight, new appetites. Everything is now new, and God is the one that has provided that. So he who began the good work will continue to do that good work. Look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. It is God who enables us, right? He's the one that establishes, begins it, to stand firm in Christ. Why? Because he has commissioned us. He has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything that he has promised. So you can see in this passage that that God is the initiator, God's the sustainer, God's the provider, that it is all about God and it is his covenant with us. And that in the part of establishing that covenant with us, when we become his children, he places a deposit of himself through the person of the Holy Spirit. That now lives within our heart. And this is that thing that draws us to him. That, that like whenever we take our first breath, we, we long to have our lungs filled with breath, with oxygen. That in that first moment that we say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes residence with inside of us. We become a temple of the living God. And so now we have this yearning for the Holy Spirit. That there's a deposit there and we want to experience even just this little bit of the Holy Spirit, we long for it and we yearn for it just like we yearn for a breath. If you've worked out really hard one time and you've lost your breath, you've had your breath knocked out, you know what this means. Like you long, you grasp for it with everything that you've got. It literally pains you to get that next breath. And here, this is what Paul is telling us, is that whenever God, whenever we said yes to God and God reached out to us in that moment when the Holy Spirit took residence with inside of us, that it allows us now to yearn for more of the Holy Spirit. And it reminds us of the guarantee. It reminds us of the covenant. And it reminds us of the fact that we can have confidence, not in our own abilities or our own strength or even our own decision, but it has a confidence in who God is and that because he's the one that's established the covenant, He will not leave us or forsake us. He is always for us. Even in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in you. That you can have confidence because the Spirit of God that lives within you also is what raised Jesus from the dead. That you have the power of the resurrection that lives within inside of you through the Holy Spirit. God began a good work in you. He made it possible. He reached out. He made your heart ready. He began the good work in you and our confidence is in Him and Him alone. Not in us. And not in our faith. And Paul Remember, says, I am certain, without a shadow of a doubt, because of who God is, I am certain that He, God, who began a good work in you, will do what? He will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. God begins it. He continues it through His Holy Spirit and His patient kindness with us that leads us to repentance. That there's this cycle of life where we know it, we experience it, and then we grasp on for a little bit more. That's the beauty of our relationship with God is that we continually are learning more about who He is. And that the longer that we live in this life with Christ, 
and get to know God and experience the amazingness of His grace, the more we yearn for it, the more that we long for it, the healthier we eat, the better our lifestyle, we long for those things. And that leads us to repentance, to more and more God reveals a little bit more about who we are and what we're about that that He wants to slough off, that He wants to chisel away so that we can experience even more of what it looks like to be and to think and to act like God because of our relationship, our covenant relationship with Jesus. But it's this loving kindness and patience with us that even allows that to happen. That He's not there like a God, like a Chuck E. Cheese, ready to, to whop us on the head, that He's walking with us. And he wants us, his loving kindness and patience with us allows us to make mistakes, allows us to stumble, and to allow him to pick us up, clean off our knees, do what needs to be done for healing, and continue to walk again. We even see this in, in Ezekiel. There's a passage in Ezekiel chapter 20 where we see that God has this discussion with the prophet Ezekiel. And he says, Ezekiel, I want you to tell the people like what I'm really thinking. And I want you to show them how I have been patient with them. They're, they're, the Israelites are stubborn people. They're constant. I mean, they, they are all about themselves. They want what they want when they want it. They're just about themselves. They're selfish. And I want you to remind them of how I have been loving and patient with them because I reached out to them and established a covenant with them. Of all of the nations, of all of the tribes, of all of the tongues, I reached out to them and established. I chose them. I began a good work in them. And I want you to show them, Ezekiel, that I am about them. Because it's not even really about them, it's about me. And I want them to see that because of who they are and how they are, how I empower them and do life with them, that others see them and they want to establish a relationship. They want a God like me. So in Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 5, it says, When I chose Israel, this is God talking, When I chose Israel, and God began the good work, I revealed myself to the descendants of Jacob in Egypt. And I took a solemn oath that I, the Lord, would be their God. In other words, the reminder of, is there anyone more trustworthy than God? That he makes an oath with himself and with Israel. And because he's made an oath with himself, a covenant with himself, he cannot break a covenant because it's contrary to his character. God reminds them in verse 5 of Ezekiel 20 that he chose them. And then if you look in Ezekiel 20, verses 8, verses 13, and verses 21, he reminds Israel of the fact that there were several moments in their covenant relationship together where Israel chose to rebel against God, chose to rebel against God's love and what he had for them. And then the very next verses in verse 9 and 14 and 22, he says, Listen, you've rebelled in the previous verses, but in the next verse, I'm showing you that I was patient with you, that I was kind with you, that I was long-suffering with you, that, that my fuse of justice and wrath was lengthy with you so that you would repent. Because his kindness, he never gives up on his children. He never gives up on the covenant that he's made with himself and with us. Because in all things, God is working out stuff and he is desiring to put the finishing touches on you and us and our faith. And so you see in that Ezekiel 20 that God says, listen, I chose you. And there are moment after moment after moment where you have chosen to rebel against me and I continually showed you my kindness. 
my long-suffering with your rebellion. And then in verse 44, he says, You know that I am the Lord, O people of Israel. When I have honored my name by treating you mercifully in spite of your wickedness, I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. See, God reminds them that it's his patient kindness with us that is more than even for us. It's so that we can show, he can show his character and his glory. One of the things that we need to be continually reminded of is that he chose us for his glory. That we are objects of glory so that we can show other people that, look, if God can do something with this vessel, surely he can do something with other vessels. He took the unholy and made them holy. He took the the, the common and made them holy. And that's who God is. But it's his patient kindness with us that allows that to happen. And in that, even in that, it shows off his glory, that he chose us. And even in those moments of rebellion, he continually comes back and shares his patient kindness with us. In John chapter 10, verse 28, he says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. Man, I love this passage because it's, it's a confirmation for us, again, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that the circumstances and the situations of life, the the, the craziness of our lives can sometimes feel like that we've been snatched away. And God's saying to them, listen, if you can be snatched away from me from salvation, then I am not God. Then I am not who I say I am. And all the things that you've seen and experienced about me in the past are not true. I will not be removed from covenant. Once we've established a covenant relationship, we are tied together. It cannot be broken. By you or by anyone else. We are in covenant relationship. The bond is established and we are together forever. Not because of you, but because of me. And God says, no one can snatch you from me. He chose you. He works in you. You may stray, you may go astray, but he will finish his work in you. For his name's sake. For his glory. Look at the last part of Philippians 1.6. I am certain that God, remember, certainty is confidence in who God is, that he began a good work within you, that the Holy Spirit has now taken residence, and he will continue his work in you, even in those moments where you stray, his loving kindness with us it allows us to continue to move forward, and he's keeping that covenant relationship. And then what does it say, the last part? Until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. This word finish is an intensive word. He's saying there's nothing. It will be finished. It will be made complete. God cannot not finish what he starts. Let me say that again. God cannot not finish what he starts. It is contrary to his character. It is contrary to his nature. And that if we may try to thwart his plans and his decisions and what he's trying to do. But God says, I am working on you and I will finish it. I cannot not finish working on you because it's not about you, but it's for my glory. And it's even this idea of a guaranteed outcome. He is on schedule with you. He will not be a minute late. His iPhone calendar, his Google calendar, his daytime planner, it has a distinct 
plan for you. And at the very moment, whenever he's going to be finished, he has got it written down. He will not be surprised by it. It is ready. It is every T is crossed. Every I is dotted. He will finish with you for his glory. It's a guaranteed outcome. He's on schedule. There is no other project manager better than God himself. He began the work. He's still working, and he will finish what he's building in you and establishing in you, which is himself, he will not leave undone. Some of my favorite passages, Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and following, it says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for those who love God, this is that covenant relationship, and are called, right? He began the good work. He called us according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance. God knew you before he, before you established a relationship, before y'all came together. He knew you in advance and he still chose you to become like his son. Which the scripture says his son is perfect. And I don't know about you, but I don't know. I'm not perfect. No one that I've bumped up against in the last few weeks has established that they're perfect. And so, That's the guarantee of the outcome. At some point, we will be perfect. There's a glorification moment for us. He will finish with us. And he chose us to become like his son, perfect, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, chosen you, he called us to him. And having called you, He gave you the right standing with himself. And having given you right standing, he gave you his glory. Man. God's interested in his glory. He's not interested in your fame. He's not interested in how much money you make. He's not interested in your house or your car or how perfect you think your family is. Everything that he's been about from the moment that you said yes to him and even before that is his glory. It's about his fame. And that what God has done in you and is working in you is that moment that people can see in you his glory. And not how much you've cleaned up and how much religious you've become or how much knowledge that you have, but how much he has through the Holy Spirit transformed your heart, your soul, your mind, your appetite. And so that when people see you, they see him. And they can say, we can tell that Chris is a student at the feet of Rabbi Jesus because of that covenant. Are there moments where we skip class? Are there moments where we would want to zoom in and push that there's a screen behind us, but we're actually not there, we're somewhere else? Sure. But God says he is faithful to continue to teach and to love and to care because he cannot not finish. His work with you. Look at the following passages a little bit further down in Romans 8, verse 38 and 39. Paul says, because of all this, all these things that I've shared with you, I am convinced because of God's character that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. How many of you worried about tomorrow this week? All of us. And God says, even that cannot separate you. He knew that this was going to happen. 
Not even the powers of all hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, all of the stuff that we worry about, all of the stuff that many times we put our confidence and our worth and our value in, all of those things are created things. And they will fail you. But the Creator, God the Father, the Son Jesus, and the Holy Spirit that has taken residence with inside of you because you've said yes, will not fail. It began the good work. It's still working, and he will complete it on schedule. Paul's confidence is not in Christianity of the Christians even, but in the goodness of God. The God that he's studied, the God that that he knows, and the God that he's experienced. God, Paul, loves you, and he began a good work, will continue the good work, and he will finish. Godfidence. You can be certain that God started the work, is still working, and cannot not complete the job. My prayer for you is that the confidence in the things around, that those are good, but my prayer is that you will establish a Godfidence in who God is and watch Him be the rock that you need in uncertain times. Let's pray together. Father, we just need to be confident in you. Father, may we do that. May we even use this past week as a a moment to be reminded that the things that we have placed our confidence on, they will fail. Even the things that we have thought that were normal parts of our lives, just a little bitty storm can come and can knock all that out. So, Father, I pray that this morning that we would establish our confidence in you and in you alone, that you've began a good work in us, you're going to continue it, and you will not not finish it. And we thank you for your long-suffering and your patience with us as we're understanding what it means to be in relationship with you, a God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen. Well, this morning, if I'm talking about something that you don't quite understand, this relationship with Jesus, this Holy Spirit taking residence with inside of you, I would love to be able to talk with you more about that. So we have a connection card that's online, so a QR code will show up at some point, and you can scan that, and it'll be there before you. And it's an opportunity for us to be in communication, for us to just have a conversation together. And so over the next few days, over the next few weeks, as you think about where does my confidence lie, I would challenge you to ask the question, does my confidence truly lie in the God that Chris was talking about this morning, that Scripture talks about? If not, then reach out to us. I'd love to have coffee with you. I'd love to talk with you over the phone or Zoom or whatever we need to do so that you can know the God that Paul talked about that I know and I know that so many of you do know. But if you don't know, I want you to know that God. Thank you.